Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the DLC Drop Podcast. I'm thrilled to welcome our guest, Chris Hanna, co-founder and CEO of the Esports Observer. After reading the Esports Observer for just about every single day, it's really a pleasure to bring him onto the show. He's going to share a ton of insights that he has learned through the growth of this platform and the acquisition by Sports Business Journal. Let's talk to Drop in the untold stories of industry leaders, influencers, and insights on future innovation. I'm John Davidson, and this is the DLC Drop Podcast. All right, Chris, thank you so much for joining me today on the DLC Drop Podcast. I will say that this is one of my most anticipated anticipated episodes. I was looking back through our LinkedIn messages as I was inviting you onto the podcast and everything, and I saw what was it, four, four and a half years ago, my first message to you. And it was like, hello, sir. I am (laughs) such a fan of your publication and I go there daily to read, blah, blah, blah. And it's cool because since then, I feel like, you know, we've become friends. We're both part of Stadia Ventures. And it's just really an honor to have you here, somebody who is the co-founder CEO of a website that I go to every single day. So thank you for joining me. That, that is probably like more than I deserve, but thank you very much. <laughs> and thanks for having me. Like I remember us, you know, when we met in, um, we met in Dallas Yeah. and I, I really enjoyed that. And now I really want to go back to these LinkedIn messages to check them out, yeah. um, but I, I will do that after. No, it's, um, thanks for having me. It's great. And it's great seeing you again. Absolutely. Great to see you as well. So why don't you tell our audience, uh, what do you do? What is your role currently at the Esports Observer? Okay, so right now still I'm um, the CEO of the Esports Observer, but as you've might seen, we just recently um, migrated our website into the Sports Business Journal. Yes. So the the backstory of that really quickly, and I'm pretty sure we're going to go into this more detail later. Uh, so we got acquired in 2018 by you know um, the parent organization of Sports Business Journal as well. So we've been working with them for a couple of years now. And we finally decided, like, let's integrate the Esports Observer into SBJ. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we can reach both. Like, for TEO, we can reach not just the esports, but also the sports audience. And we can, we can basically deliver more esports content, like, to their sports audience. Yeah. Um, so I currently got this role where I'm, you know, managing director for all of the esports business for SBJ while I'm still um, CEO of the Esports Observer, which is the entity here in Germany. So, you know, working working across organizations, like in a yeah. matrix, more or less. It's like, hey, Chris, why don't you just do twice as much as you've been doing this whole time? No big deal, it's, right? It's kind, of, it's kind of the same thing. And I got I to gotta say, I, you know, it's kind of the same job I've been doing for the recent years because we're, I mean, everyone at SPJ has been really welcoming um, when right. we got on board. And it's, it's amazing people. Like I learned a lot in a short amount of time. And, you know, we're, so we're this kind of startup building the Esports Observer and, you know, testing all these things. And they've been around for so much longer. Yeah. So they've, they've done a lot of the things, you know, that we were still testing. So they, you know, really good insights and really good, like transfer of knowledge. Um, and we've been just working with them on, you know, Esports Rising, our conference, like mm-hmm. we do with them. I mean, it, it's actually, it was their kind of conference, right? And when we, when we got acquired, like we, we kind of helped them program it a little bit. And ever since we do together. Um, you know, when we look at esports coverage and, and connections and like everything we do as a business, we do with them anyway. So it's it's more or less like formalizing work I've been doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but it's, it's fine. 
That's great. Well, congratulations, number one. Thank you. Uh, when you can have an acquisition or an exit with what you've been working on, I think number one is just, it's a mark of success, but it also validates what you've been working so hard on, right? That this uh, legacy company, Sports Business Journal, has basically said, wow, not only, you know, we really appreciate what you've done, we're not going to compete with you, we're going to acquire you because we appreciate and we want that here. Uh, what did that mean to you when that acquisition happened? It, it's kind of unreal. And, you know, I remember this and it's so funny because I kind of, I kind of remember this, the, the lead up to this. Um, and you know how this is, like we've been, we've been working really hard. We've been struggling a lot. It's, you know, what you do. Right. And then, uh, so Chris Cheney, yes. like really back in the days told me like, Hey, do you know, like sports business journal, you know, I think that could be really interesting for you to work with them. Hmm. Um, and like at, at the time I really didn't. Right. And I mean, nothing happened there. So that was just like a side comment and that's kind of it for me at the time. So I looked at what they do and I'm like, yeah, that's cool. But it was far away for me. And then I remember us, you know, having these conversations where, you know, somebody like, and again, like from the, from the more or less parent organization then came to check out what we're doing and we're having these conversations and then they made an investment in us. And that was like, got it. that was pretty cool. Like to me, because it, it opened so many doors in the States for us. Mm. And when we then, when we then followed up with the acquisition pretty, pretty shortly after actually, like, yeah, I mean, it feels great. Like, what can I say? It's a, it's what you said is validation for the work you put in. I got I got to say though, and I'm always going to say this, like I've been really lucky throughout my whole career and you know, like okay. I've always worked hard, but yeah. I, I really feel like I met the right people at the right time, you know, and then kind of made the right calls. And yeah. I really hope I can continue that because it's been, <laughs> no, it's been like, it's been a hell of a ride, but it's really been it's just lucky, you know, you, you meet the right people and then things evolve and things develop and yeah. we met them at the right time. Um, you know, so we, we, we continued doing what we do. And I think for them, it was a make or buy decision because, you know, they wanted more esports content so they can either staff, they can either staff more people and, you know, build it up or they can just buy something that's out there. Sure. Um, we got along really well. And I remember, I remember like sitting with their management team for the first time, which is, it's always so humbling, right? When you're, when you're like new to the party and then you're sitting there and like, everyone's kind of, you know, so established and like, you know, knows what they're talking about. And you're just like, yeah, you know, we just, we just tried different things out and, you know, we saw what, what sticks and then we did more of it. Yeah. Like it, it almost, it almost feels like you're a fraud, right? Because you're, because you're sitting, you're sitting in, sure. in among these people and you're like, I knew what we were doing and like, I can't say we didn't know what we were doing and we had a clear vision. I had a really clear vision of what the brand should be and what we were doing, mm -hmm. but it's, um, it, it just feels great, you know, and then you're sitting among these people and actually everyone kind of brings you like a lot of respect towards yeah. you as well, where it's, that just feels amazing. Like, wouldn't lie. <laughs> I want to dig into that a little bit about, um, that feeling of, you know, you know what you're doing and I've just tried stuff. Um, I'm, I'm just naturally one of those people that I believe that people know what they're doing. That mm -hmm. when I see someone who's successful or I see someone who's established, just my natural inclination is the, is just to think, you know everything, right? You know exactly what you're doing. However, <laughs> maybe that exists at times, but I think the vast majority is what you described, people just trying stuff. And when you have enough years in the game, you've tried so much that you have seen what works, You've seen what has what hasn't worked. Those people in the room that you were in, yeah, they probably know a lot about the past, but they are probably guessing and trying and hoping that someone like yourself can help take them to the future where where they've never been and they're not sure where 
hey, where what is this media model going to be? You know, prints going out. You know, we saw digital come in, but now we're you know online streaming platforms and things of that nature. Do you ever have those moments where you say, wait a minute, these guys may be established, but they're looking to me to take that next step that they can't take themselves, or do you have a different perspective on it? No, I think it's a it's a give and take. Mm-hmm. So I think that and I even things I'm doing right now. So I'm looking at you know marketing topics as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm not just doing pure esports, but I'm looking at you know when we look at user acquisition and when we look at how we how we treat users and how we funnel them through certain journeys. Like so, I'm looking at that stuff too because that right. that's at kind of my heart. Um, so that there's a there's a lot of things where I feel I'm helping out, but then there's also a lot of things where I just learn like okay, you know they've done this like it doesn't, didn't work or doesn't work. Or where I get like so much feedback on what I'm doing, and I can I can see what they explored over time. Mm. Like there's such a there's such a well out machinery. Like if you look at the events they're pumping out, yeah. like they're all amazing, and there's so many, right? So if you look at these kind right. of things, and like when we did we did two conferences in TEO, like yeah. standalone, crazy. Like the the amount of work that goes into a business conference, it is. You know, and we had like 200 plus people, like delegates there, right? And you, we different programs, and we did one in New York, then we did one in Berlin. And, you know, we experimented with the formats where New York was really like, you know, money focused and, like, you know, esports and business. Mm-hmm. And Berlin, we did more like, okay, let's talk about the culture surrounding esports. So yeah. we didn't look, we didn't look at esports per se, but we, uh, we looked at the adjacent industries and tried to figure out what do people in these industries do with esports and what do they see in esports? So, oh, you know, we got media people there, like we got, you know, like publishers, like we had all these different people there to talk about their experience with esports. Mm-hmm. But then we also made it about fashion. We had a fashion show going on to just show like, you know, some some esports fashion, like some some esports merchandise as well. You know, right. we had like stormtroopers roaming around, like just these, just all these kind of funny, nerdy, nerdy things where we felt like let's let's do a little bit more of an experience. Yeah. And that is that is like incredibly hard to put together. Like and that that's stuff that I mean you figure out when you do it because it, it looks like that's ah, fine. But then when you when you're in it and do it, like you know, kudos to the team that did it at the time. Yeah. It, incredible. Like such an amount of work. It worked out well, but it's it was insane. Like, you know, that these are the learnings that you take then, right? And where now they've done all of this, right? So they have this, you can slot things in right. and they know exactly what to do. They have all their schedules fixed. Like, it's just like, you know, they can just pump it out and that makes it really easy. They've built a system, right? Yes. Yeah, I think that's a that's a great analogy for the esports industry as a whole. You know, there's a number of things that can be best practices that can be taken in from traditional sports, traditional media, other types of uh, industries that have been around longer than esports. But there's also those moments where there's something that's innovate that has to be innovated, that has to mm-hmm. be completely created from scratch. And you also have two dr- groups of people. I talk about this all the time. You have the endemic esports industry, which is typically run by a lot of young people who don't have a ton of experience. Now, they understand gaming. They understand culture. They understand how their groups respond to brands and what they like to do, and that is invaluable. But there's no there's no substitute for experience because it's just years in the game, right? Like if you're 27 years old, you're not going to have the experience of a 47 year old just because you haven't been alive and you haven't worked those hours. Now, on the other side of this spectrum are I call them complementary experts, people like your colleagues at Sports Business Journal who have been in business for 20, 30 years. They know everything or most of it, (laughs) like we talked about, but they don't get the cultural nuances, 
how the gaming and esports audiences are different. And so these groups need each other, but they really struggle to talk to each other uh, because they don't speak the same language. What has your experience been with, been like? No, with I, w- I would, I would, I would agree with that. Um, but I also would say that that like one of the main challenges, and that is not just esports, but that's like everything around the and you know for me esports is more entertainment and everything yeah. around this entertainment and cultural phenomenon like there's a lot of technology right and technology moves so fast mm-hmm. um and when i like i always used to say that esports moves really fast so i i used before i did all of this i used to work in telco you okay. know for telco so now i'm like okay that's you know that's like proper business it kind of moved okay like it kind of felt fast but you know nothing nothing special so then looking at esports it feels like it's it moves really really fast it's like oh my god this industry is so fast so much is happening i'm currently really diving deeper into like crypto and nfts yeah and it makes me feel like esports is slow (laughs) because i get i get up in the morning and i'm like okay there's so many things like i still don't know yet or didn't i didn't know and okay i need to read up on this i need to read up on that because there's Mm -hmm. so much happening all the time and i feel that if you take if you take technology as a as a component of your business right it's it's just so tough to keep up with the you know, current state of technology, because even if you're like a publication, right, there is technological requirements you got to have to be successful. Of course. And you know, there's, there's so much thing, there's so many things happening all the time and you got to make sure that you're staying on top of the game. So I feel like when you look at, you know, if you start, if I would start a company right now, like if take the esports observer and, you know, we're talking a couple of years only that, mm-hmm. you know, I kind of started it more or less, but if you look at, um, if I would do it today, I would probably use completely different technology in terms of what my CMS would be, you know, how I would build it, how I would collect data. Like it would be, it would be a different beast. Mm-hmm. So when, when you start a company now, like you're, you're kind of cutting the technology curve because you're starting somewhere higher on the curve. Right. Whereas if you're like an, an older publication, it's a lot of effort for you to keep up with the current tech. Right. So right. I think that that's one of the things that I feel is, is tough. And mm-hmm. even for, even for what we're doing and now I try to put myself in, in the shoes of people who've you know done their things for 20 years but the kind of i mean the world is moving and you know people expect different things and it's, it's this constant race of okay how can we adapt to new things and you know what should we adapt to and you know should we be doing this and then also like what's your i mean that's where your brand comes in like what's on brand what's off brand right and you know what can we do what can't we do and so esports observer like i can speak to my audience very differently than i can probably speak to the spj audience right because true different demographic like probably different interests you know different kind of consumption patterns so i can i can be i can be really me and i can just say whatever i want to say whereas if i'm i'm on a i say i'm on an spj conference i'm making this up now because it like didn't happen that way but i would probably be more more thoughtful about how would i say things and you know how would i convey the message because you need to you need to package the message differently um that's my feeling maybe that's not even true but Mm -hmm. i think it's I think it's like this this catch up game with technology and you know what like look at content consumption patterns like i had this i heard this great talk from a board member of one of a big um, publishing house in germany and what she said is like you know the the patterns changed completely because people don't want to watch like a 90 90 game um football match i'm talking you know the real european football yeah. <laughs> soccer yeah um <laughs> so people don't people don't want to watch that anymore you know they want to know they want to know what the player had for breakfast you know which car they used to go to the game then you mm. want to see the highlights you want to see the workout you want to see what they have for dinner and who there is at dinner like yeah. you know but you want you want to have all of that in five minutes and right and that's probably not true for a lot of like older sports fans, no offense, sure. but that that's probably true for a lot of younger sports fans. Oh yeah. And 
So what's your brand and who are you serving and how can you serve both? You know, and that's same with esports. Like you see, like I'm in an age, man, I like TikTok. I, and I had a discussion yesterday about this. Like I deleted the app from my phone because it was like a, it, you know, it was a time sucker, Sure. but it's, I don't, I don't really get it. So I see why people do it and I see what they're doing, uh-huh. but I cannot sit there and enjoy this for an hour. You know, it's like, <laughs> I, it's just not my Count thing. Your blessings. Like, you probably get a lot more yeah. done <laughs> than the rest yeah, of but, us. <laughs> but, it's just, but it's just like, it's not my thing and I don't have to like it, but right. maybe what we do, you know, it's a good, it's a good means, you know, to get to something. Um, so that's, right. that's where, you know, you got to play with all the technologies and, that's tough at times, I feel. Well, I think that can be a challenge. You know, you're in an industry where, you know, nothing is older than the written word, right? So you're in this real legacy industry, but you're touching on the most, the future of entertainment, which is esports. And so it's kind of these opposite ends of the spectrum once again. And I could see challenges where people are saying, I don't understand this or I don't relate to that, like you're saying with TikTok but you know that your audience does. Is there just a certain amount of trust that you have to have with that? Or do you look to hire somebody who is in that demographic who can kind of report up to, or what is that process like? Yeah, so, and if we look at what we do, so when we started the Esports Observer, I know there's there's more competition out right now, but when we started this, it was the first, it was the first B2B outlet for esports. Hmm. Right, really look, really looking at the business. And someone correct me, but I don't think there has been one. Right, so that's yeah. that's why we believed in the idea. Um, and it's so it's business, right? It's and it's a B two B audience. So when right. we started, when we started looking for, okay, but who's who's going to do all that stuff now? Like we're looking into. <laughs> you got to find the balance between people who get the space. It's what you said before: people <laughs> who get the space and have the you know, and people who have the experience in business. Right. So I'm I'm lucky in that sense because I've always been a gamer, but then I've also got my you know, my business education, got my, my formal business education, yeah. you know, did all that. So I kind of know what I would need to operate a company. So I'm, I kind of understand how I would need to like frame some of the articles, Sure, but it's tough. And it's, it's also constant iteration, right? Because like there is, so I think there's a difference between like news and, you know, obviously all the feature pieces and context. So yeah. how much context do you need? Right. If I, if I just spam you with news, you can go to Twitter. That's it. Right. You don't need, you don't need my website, Good point. Yeah. but if I give you too much context, like I probably overwhelm you because I'm going to use examples and things that you don't even know. So now you read about this one topic, but I'm going to throw in so much into the mix that I lose you. Mm. So I think it's, it's such a, it's such a fine line to, to find the right balance of how much context do you give a person right. and how do you explain it? Right. So where do I start? Because right now, can, can I assume people already know what esports is? I thought so. I go to I go to events and like so I've been to a live event recently, which is great. Being back to a live event, yeah. But then you realize like okay, so people did not learn at all in the recent one and a half years during the <laughs> pandemic. Like so, you still got to go. We're back all on and, TikTok. You know, start. <laughs> yeah, but you still you still got to you still got to start. You know, kind of and and help with context. So it's it's always these kind of battle of the balance. Like how do you how do you create your content? Sure. Um, and if we do, if we do B two B, like you know, we have some really hardcore financial analysis. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that if if this hit, hits our like esports audience per se, right, the younger generation. Right. I think a lot of them wouldn't care, but then also there might be people who don't understand it because you know our reporter who's writing it, like he's hardcore in it. You know, like he writes it, he writes that stuff down, and it's like for sure. Okay, cool. That that's a heavy that's a heavy piece. Like it's great, and it's yeah. it's like really thought through, but it's heavy, right? Mm. So that's that's where the it's it's just tough to find the balance really yeah 
any content with numbers is a little too heavy for me. I'm just going to throw that yeah. out there. Personally, I'm not not, I, not a big dude, numbers I, I love, guy. I love numbers. <laughs> if, it, if, it, if it was for me, like all of our articles would have a graph and numbers. All of them. Hey, we need to collaborate then because I, I see our, our weaknesses and strengths uh, being complementary here. You know, one thing that you're talking about with this context that's going through my mind is it really depends on who your audience is, right? Um, I speak on a number of panels and I, I did one not too long ago and it was so esports 101 it was starting from why do people even watch other people play video games you know yeah. and then i've got other panels that i'm on where you, there's a q a and it's going real deep we're talking about the metaverse and we're talking mm-hmm. about you know uh enhancing experiences for audiences so they embrace brands and like this deep marketing stuff it, it, it could almost be article by article based on the the proper context but you kind of have to hit a probably a a nice balance, right? So how are you identifying who that audience will likely be for that article to determine the level of context required? Yeah, so I can tell tell you what my initial thoughts on on content generation is. So so when you look at, you look at an industry, like doesn't matter if it's esports or you look at an industry. So when I looked at esports, like what does, what moves it forward? Right. And so what I came, what I, in my head, and there's more now, but what I initially had in my head is like, okay, there's always people. It's about people yeah, and it's about money. Mm. And then it's about relationships, right? Because like it's either relationship between people, you know, like or companies, entities, and there's money in the game. Yeah. So that's how I kind of identified, okay, what do I want to write about? Or what do I want to see on the website? Because I like, the, I do write every now and then, but I don't write a lot. Sure. So it's, you know, it's okay. Now we looked at, okay, now that's cool. So what does it actually mean? Like, look at money. So, okay, there's like, there's investments, you know, there's acquisitions. There is monetary sponsorships, you know, there's money flowing around in sponsorships. Sure. So you look at like some partnerships, you look at other collaborations, and then we kind of started to define, okay, so here's what we want to cover, right? Here's the, here's the things we want to write about. And then, mm-hmm. okay, so how do we do it? And then we looked at, okay, let's, let's take the top games, you know, with the big leagues and, you know, the ones that are really kind of promising and we built our own index to understand what the top games are. So, and I'm not oh, sure if you've seen this. But we, so we use this internally as much as we, you know, send it out every quarter to the world. We, so we kind of take different KPI and yeah. we calculate a score and then we say, here's the top games, 10, 10 PC games though. So, Interesting. you know, that's, so that's just, that's just one internal kind of thing we're using as well for us. So we look at, okay, let's take the top games. Let's look at the leagues, all the teams participating in these kind of leagues. Mm-hmm. And then let, let's look at the kind of brands involved. Right. And that's our kind of space we want to cover because it's, it's a Makes bit sense. higher end. It's not, it's not everything. But then of course we're going to pick up like pop cultural elements if they're relevant, right? If there's something else happening sure. and it's important or relevant, like we also cover that. Like by now the lines are a bit more blurry. So it, it really depends on, do we believe, and you know, we as in the team, does the team believe that's a good story? They're going to write it, you know, and we right. get pitched so many things. So they look at, okay, that's more relevant than this. So, you know, is it timely? Is it, is it important? What's the impact on the industry? Right. You know, is that, is that something that, you know, John needs to know in order to run his business? Right. Yeah, probably that's, probably that's relevant. So let's bring it. Um, so that, that's how we do it right now. But I mean, I'm like, I'm German and I'm, I'm extremely structured. I used to work <laughs> as a project and program manager, like for 10 years before that. So I'm, I'm always sliding things down and, you know, I have a framework and build a system and right. because that's how I work. Yeah. So that, that was my kind of North Star on, okay, here's, here's how we do stories, right? Yeah. And then we, we found people who can deliver them and do them. And that's, we've been really consistent with this, right? And I think that if you just keep doing it and you're consistent, that's when you're going to be successful in the end, right. unless there's no market fit. But, you know, we saw people coming to the site, like we saw 
it's so weird because you know you start this you start this thing and it's almost like a blog right mm-hmm. initially and then you go to places and people really oh no i know this i read this and i've met people that i admire a lot who told me that they're reading to wow. and that's that's for me just like okay that's you know that's when you feel like that is amazing like that that's is the reason you get up in the morning right yes it's so yeah. much it's so much validation that you feel like that's cool you know that is that is why we do this for that's amazing have you had a moment yet because there's what's what's difficult is maintaining right so yeah. a lot of what a lot of people experience is is that ramp up's exciting right i've got a vision and i'm starting oh i'm getting some traction this is exciting i got more followers i got more followers etc at some point either you you start to plateau or you go down a little bit. Now that doesn't mean you're not going to go back up, but yeah. over the course of the esports observer, have you experienced when that skyrocket kind of leveled off or went down, and and how did you deal with that? Well, I mean, it it, it leveled like you plateau a couple of times, right? Because that's when you that's when you got to figure out, okay, so what what do we need to do now? Like, what can we do now? Or you have a lack of not lack of focus per se. But there's so many things. So we were a small team and, you know, we were doing events. We were, we were back in the days we were building our own data products, hmm. you know, so we built like Twitch analytics, we built like social media analytics. So everything from Twitter, you know, Facebook, you could analyze every single post of teams, compare engagement and performance. So we really built it with the, with the mindset of let's build Bloomberg for esports. And I always right. wanted to build like this, this kind of Bloomberg-ish terminal where you have an, a terminal with all the data that you need. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we, so the idea was like, if we track all the data, then we can identify the trends and the stories that are relevant, and then we can write content about it. Smart. And when we write when we write content about it, we would get more insights and probably get more data. data uh, so it's, you know, it's kind of, yes, Amazing. exactly. Yeah. And then and then what you do is like, when you identify the trends, like you program an event where you talk about that stuff, yeah. but now you're not going empty handed, but you're going and say, you know what, there's been, 5 million, you know, 500 million, whatever been invested in this sector of the industry. Right. So let's, let's talk about that. Why is that happening? So that was, that was the whole kind of motivation behind building it initially. Like do it turned out, turned out to be obviously more complicated than it sounds. Of course. Building tech while running events, while maintaining the website, like we probably like took way too much work on. Sure. Um, it was, was fun. It was horrible at the same time. And then, you know, it's like, that's when you plateau when, you know, something didn't work out or, you, you know, right. there were so many setbacks in this kind of things where, okay, we got to do this differently. And, you know, let's do this, let's do that. And then you got to integrate all of it somehow. So mm-hmm. there, there's been a lot of plateaus and definitely a lot of setbacks with building all of this at the same time. Yeah. Um, would probably do it. Would I do it differently? I, I'm not even sure. I don't think so. I think I would mm-hmm. do it again. Yeah. Um, but it's that, that's when you just like, you know, okay, you don't stop. I mean, stopping was not an option, right? It's like, so, so how do we get through this? Just like, let's push through this. Mm. And you know, then we need to, then we need to have a session where we, there's pictures. I still have pictures on my phone where we were sitting like in a room with like, you know, two, two kind of tables moved together and we were fixing smaller bucks Mm -hmm. and we did it like all night. right. Because we had to, I mean, what do you do? It's like, it has, it has to be done. So you just keep going. You just keep going because we all had this vision in our heads. We're like, that's what we want to be. Here's what we want to be. And, I honestly believed back then that we had a good shot at it. Yeah. And you know, in the end, turns out we did. And now I can, you know, I can tell you the beautiful story. It's amazing. Like it sounds so great, but did we, did we struggle? Yes. Did we struggle a lot? Absolutely. Right. So it's, it's not always sunshine. Um, I think that makes it a better story, you know, yes. because if you have the stories of, 
like you, I mean, you said earlier, you mentioned I, I got really lucky and it's like, okay, well, how do I replicate that? Or yeah, I just had my big break and everything was sunshine and rainbows and lollipops. And it's like, okay, great. Because I'm over here struggling and having a hard time and that just happened to work out for you. I can't even relate to that, you know? But when your story includes the struggle and includes the setbacks, I think people look at that and they say, wow, that's what I'm going through. That's what I've went through. And it gives them hope and also gives them a roadmap of how to get through it beyond just the emotional piece. But here's where you are. And when I say you, I mean the States, right? That's mm -hmm. where you are like far ahead because I like as a European, as a German, I get the feeling that if you fail and like whatever failure is, right? You build a startup, doesn't work, sure. right? It's it's okay because you just set out to do a new thing. Right. But if you fail, if you fail here, like people really look at it as a failure. It's like, oh, you know, he wasn't able to pull it off and he wasn't able to do it. Mm. So people people stop talking about it. And I think in society right now, you know, it's we don't talk enough about that. It's the same with like when people have, when they're burned out or, you know, they get really like mental issues because they can't do stuff at the moment. Right. Like people don't talk about that. Right. But what's funny is the moment you open up to a person and you start talking about it, mm -hmm. everyone has their story. So when I, when I took my MBA, like a lot of people afterwards set out to build companies, mm -hmm. right? And we've been in touch and it's, it's obviously not always sunshine, right? And then when you say, look, look, I'm struggling with the situation. Like, can you help me? Because we trusted each other a lot. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're like, dude, I've been through the same thing. You know, I struggled with this. Here's what I did. You know, it didn't work. Then, you know, this kind of is how I tried to tackle it. And all of a sudden you figure out like everyone's been through this, but yeah. you're just not, you're just not running around. Like people just try to be successful and want to want to be perceived as successful. So we don't talk enough about failures. Right. And mm -hmm. I've made so many mistakes in like building up TEO and all the, like, even today, like I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm making decisions that are nonsense. Sure. But well, that's how you learn, right? right? And that's that's how you that's how you. I mean, you have to make some of the mistakes. It's like, you know, when your mom tells you don't do that, it's not going to work, and you're like, I'm going to do this. It's going to be fine. And then in the end, you know, she's right. <laughs> I can relate. No, you know, well. <laughs> you, you, yeah. you only you only know like you know it's hot if you touch it. Like if if you just believe it's hot, like it. So these kind of things, right? So I feel that the one thing we should all overcome is like we should talk more about our struggles and how we overcame them. Or even if we're still in the struggle, like, right. I don't think it's a problem to tell people, look, I'm, I'm like, I don't know how to deal with this. Like, mm -hmm. did you experience this before? Like, can we like, and you know, people will open up and then you get into conversation, but I feel nobody wants to appear weak first in a right. way. Like, so that, and that's, a, that I think is a major problem. Yeah. I think too, like when you look at how content resonates, um, I think, you know, Instagram, Facebook, these social media platforms, they get a lot of, you know, people just see this best life, right? And it's yeah. like, oh, they're living that life. And why is my life not like theirs? And well, it's because you experience your life all the time and you only experience theirs when there's a filter on it. Yes. <laughs> and they're looking at a mountaintop or on top of a building and, or driving a new car. And I, and I dictate what you see. Like exactly. I can, you know, it's like, it's like I tell you if I can reinvent myself mm -hmm. and I can, I can show you who I probably want to be or who I wish I was. Sure. Right, and that and that's the message you're getting. So it's not. That's where I mean, I'm 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 on Instagram still, like, probably too much, you know. <laughs> but I'm not on TikTok too. No, right. but like that's that's where I feel it's what you said. You look you look at it through a filter, mm -hmm. and I feel that you know people often lose touch to what reality is. And it's like, and it's not like your. I mean, look, I've been lucky. Like we we exited the company and like everything worked out. Like, did I do this? Like, can I put this on my kind of list? No, because I got so much help doing all of this. Like mm. if it was, if it wouldn't have just been me, 
like no way I would have been able to take it there. Right? right. So I've got a lot of support at home. Right. So there's a partner basically. So she helped me, you know, get all the, like the other work out of my head so I can focus on work. So she took care of everything else. Right. right? That that's amazing. Like business partners who, you know, were just taking things over and like helping and giving advice. And then mm -hmm. you look at, you look at the team. Like if we didn't have, like if we wouldn't have had the team at TO that we had, like there's no way we could have taken it to where it is right now. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's, it always also sounds cool because, oh yeah, you know, I kind of founded it, but yeah, <laughs> like what yeah. does that even mean, man? It's like, you know, I mean, yes, you have the vision and to try to inspire people, but there's so many people involved in all of this. Yeah. And you know, that that's the same kind of thing where it's like, you sometimes just get lucky. And I believe that if you, if you're working hard, you're more likely to get lucky. Yes. Right. So if, you know, if, if you have a good opportunity, sometimes you need to take a shot and either it works out or not, mm -hmm. but it's, it's really about like, nobody does it alone ever. Right. Um, and you know, if you, if, if you fail, like, I, I really think that, and I think Germans are sometimes bad with that, you know, with like just having a culture where failure is more accepted. And now you have all these, like, um, you know, see, I'm not, I'm not even going to spell it out because I know we're, we're not talking with these words, uh, <laughs> right. but there's all these, there's all these nights where people talk about how they messed up their startups and stuff. And then they, you know, really, really talk about like what the mistakes were they made. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that I, we don't have to glorify all of this, but I think it's just good to hear the stories of people struggling, you know, and missing opportunities or not, you know, it's not the Hollywood glory story. And I think that's, yeah. that's what you learn from the most. If there was uh, one moment that you have in mind where you you had a challenge, you had a struggle, but you overcame it, and it's something that you feel that people can learn from, what would that be? Sometimes it's really about taking your time and you know taking a step back, mm -hmm. and typic typically, it's again, it has always sounds like these stupid things, but when you get a night, a good night of sleep, you know, the world looks different. True. So it's really, and I've been, um, I always want to, like, I always want things too fast. I'm, I'm extremely impatient. Mm. Right. So it's like, oh, you know, I built this. Why is it not there yet? You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And I think that's, it's good to be ambitious, but I think it's also good to really know your boundaries and like, listen to your body as well as, you know, like be you know, empathetic to people around you. Sure. And I initially, I initially missed that. I could tell you that, like, if I could, if I could like go back, I would probably do things slightly differently in terms of, you know, how you, how I react to certain situations, because I've been, I've been really like pushing through this, like, because mm -hmm. I really wanted to get it done. Yeah. Um, but you know, that, that's how you learn. So I think it's, um, sometimes take your time, you know, it's not, it doesn't even like, it's good if you're fast and ambitious, but not everything has to happen today. And sure. if you take, if you take your time, um, results might be better because now, you know, whenever I feel like, okay, I'm getting stressed out. I'm going to take my time. I'm going to take a piece of paper and a pen and I'm going to start drawing things and mapping things out. Yeah. Right. So I just need to get it out of my head. And then, you know, I go and revisit this the other day or so. And then I'm like, okay, that's complete nonsense. Like, you know, I, this is how it works. Sure. And then, then it's different. So it's taking time. Yeah. I, I can definitely relate to that. I'm, I find myself in such a hurry all the time because I'm doing so many different things that I'm always in a rush. And it's just, it's like deadline to deadline to deadline to deadline. And I've noticed the, the moments when I'm not in that situation, when you're not in a rush to do something, when you can really take the time to, you know, there's, there's not a, you're not looking at the clock. I got to have this done in two hours or by the end of the day, or I got this other meeting, but just, Hey, today or this afternoon or whatever, I just have more than enough time. 
to accomplish what I need to accomplish makes an amazing amount of a difference. Yeah, so I'm not, and I would like to ask you like how you manage yourself because I'm using my calendar for everything. And I, by now I block time for works. Like I block time for work sessions. You know, I know I need to get right. a deck done or something that I'm like, yeah. I'm going to block like four hours. And I know it's probably going to take me one or one and a half, mm. but I'm really going to block me like four hours. And I really take my time and, you know, start drawing it up and then, you know, go and revisit. And then maybe it's like different blocks at different kind of days. But right. I really try to, I really try to book time for things. But I sometimes when I know it's important, I book more time than I think I'll need just to make sure I have that extra time. Um, but yeah. how do you how do you deal with that? Like, you know, rushing from like deadline to deadline. How do you how do you come down? Like, what's your strategy? I'm figuring it out. <laughs> I'm talking to you. <laughs> Good. No, yeah. I the, the way I do things, I, I have been guilty of my calendar dominating me more than me dominating my calendar a lot of times. I kind of go back and forth between like really good weeks where I'm like, yeah, I had that really well planned out. And then I have other weeks where where I'm more reactionary, right? I think one of the biggest challenges is with a lot of phone calls and a lot of meetings where, okay, I spent all the day talking to people about the work that needs to get done. (laughs) When am I going (laughs) to, now I got to do all this work and the day is gone, right? And I think like, honestly, man, I think that a lot of meetings that people have are just nonsense. Right. Like, you know, it's, it's because it's, it's, it's what you said, right. It's talking about the work that needs to get done. And I understand why it's important, but I think that most meetings, like you could probably cut in half. Sure. Um, like as a general rule and you know, like there's people having meetings who have meetings mm-hmm. and you know, I get like, it's, it's so funny because when, so I got a lot of people reach out to me, you know, because they want to talk and they always talk about an exchange where we all know it's like it just it's a one-way conversation because they want to learn something yeah and even even that i'm kind of fine with but when and then i have people like oh you know can i get an hour or hey do you have like an hour for this and that i'm like i'm sorry but i, I actually don't but if you tell me if you should tell me what you want yeah you know be specific and then then you figure out that most people don't even know what they want you know it's like mm. oh i want to talk to i want to talk to certain people and i understand that you want to you know, gain knowledge. And I do that too, right? I like, I like to talk to people that I really admire and think they've done great things, Sure. but I typically come prepared with a list of questions I have. And, you know, right. even when I make content, I'm like, here's what I really like to understand, like how you do this and this and this, right? So hmm. it's really what I want to learn. And I feel that most people are, well, not most people, that's unfair, but a lot of people that contact me don't have that agenda. So when I throw it back to them and say, I'm happy to speak to you, but can you help me understand what you actually want? then often there's nothing on the list. Interesting. Yeah, that's a that's a good way to think about it is before those meetings, how do you uh, prepare ahead of time so that you're making the most out of your time? And then you can probably cut that meeting in half or you have more time for more purposeful things. Am I hearing that right? Yes. Yeah. I think the other so I think thing- it's, I think it's preparation. Like what do you, if I wanna to talk to you, right? So I, I at least need to do my homework on what you to do and what is it I believe I can learn from you or where do I need advice and then go and approach people with that. And then I feel the more specific you are, the more likely people are to respond and really take time for you. So to follow up on that point, you know, something that helps me too is understand how I personally work as far as like time in the day. So I'm very much, (laughs) I'm a morning person, but not a morning person. What I wa- what I mean is my bed is so comfortable and every morning I'm like, I'm going to miss you, you know? Yeah. But once I'm up, I get the coffee going, that's when I do my best work. And yeah. so what I've identified is if I have my meetings in the back half of the day, in the afternoon, I'm doing my computer work and my writing 
my campaign strategy, all those things, when I am most productive and most focused, then in the afternoon I have these calls and then I can follow, and then I'm exhausted (laughs) by the evening, but then I can perform those follow-ups the next morning when I'm productive again. So I I think that's something too. Some people can work all night. You know, I got a friend, he's always, he lives on a a high rise. So he's always posting these beautiful uh, views, but he's always got his laptop. It's like two in the morning. He's like, work never stops. And I'm like, stops for me, brother. Like I need a break, (laughs) (laughs) but it's different for different people, right? Yeah. It is. And I think for me that, that you know, I'm, I'm going to steal your phrase. I think that's where my calendar kind of dominates me in that sense, because since, so I'm in Germany, so we're looking at Eastern time, you know, six hours ahead. Yeah. So like when I, when I'm in my mornings, like it's kind of quiet, so I can do all the stuff I need to do. But then, you know, if you assume that like work starts in the U S let's say at around like you know, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, it's my afternoon. Mm. So even when right. we schedule the session, right? It's like, hey, I'd love to just accommodate your to your time. I don't mind, but if we do it your afternoon, it's my midnight. So that's probably not going to work for me. Right. Um, so can we do it your morning? And that is that is where my evenings are typically booked out mm-hmm. um, because and I can't travel, right? So I, I I wasn't able to travel. So now the kind of ban will be lifted for November. So the moment I can, I'm going to be on a plane. Right. But since since you know there's no travel, I can't be in the same time zone, which would be way more effective for me to be in because I can have all day all the meetings I need. Mm. Right. So right now it's like I, I get up in the morning, it's what you said, right? I have my coffee yeah. and I do a bit of work. Then I typically go and do my, my gym stuff. Yeah. And that's my first break. You know, and then I probably like, you know, do more email depending on what how urgent what is, right? I I blocked some time out before because I knew I need like two, three hours, you know, work block at the time. Sure. Then there's like, then there's lunch. And then typically it's when like my, my colleagues in the US get up and then you have like these meetings scheduled. And I've now try to not have it run too far into the night, but you know, it typically, I'm, I'm working late and I, I'm okay with it because I'm actually not a morning person at all. Okay. Um, so, I mean, I can't, I, I can't perform in the morning if I have to, yeah. you know, it's the same thing. You, you catch a flight, it's, you know how this is, you catch a flight at like, 7 a.m. Like all of a sudden you can get up at four, no problem. But if you would wake me up 4 a.m. any other day, like right. I'd probably kill you. <laughs> so, so, but that's but but that's how it is, right? So, um, when I studied, when I took my my exams and all the stuff, like I learned like, at night. So mm. I had a I really had this weird schedule where I would you know wake up, I would do all the stuff I have to do, and then I would start like learning at around 6 p.m. Yeah. Until like midnight or one one a.m. two a.m. and would then go to bed you know, sleep until like 12, yep. 1 p.m. or whatever. And then, you know, it's repetitive. So I'm more of a, a night person and I enjoy I enjoy the silence and the quiet and the dark. Yeah. Because that helps me focus. The less distractions. Interesting. <laughs> um, I'm way different. <laughs> so, see, but, that, but that's what it is, right? So now you got to figure out the right mixture and how you bring the pieces together. Right. And then that's, and then that's how you build a good team, right? So, and what you said, like, know, know what your weakness is, know what your strengths is. And I always feel like, you know, people always talk about how you have to, oh, you gotta, you know, you gotta work on your weaknesses. And I feel like, you know, there's some, like if yes. I'm, if I have a bad trait, I probably need to work on that. But if it's just about, I'm good at this, like I would double down on it and then hire someone to complement my weakness. I've right? heard so that why, exact same feedback. It yeah. takes me, it takes me so much more effort to work on my weaknesses than it is to double down on my mm. actual like good side, right? Yeah. So unless it's something that's harmful, for your life or for other people, right? So unless you're, I don't know, like what, yeah, whatever the downside is, but if it's really just, okay, I'm not good at accounting for whatever reason, like hire an accountant, right? And right. then go and do other things. Like 
make if I can do sales better than accounting, like I'll sell more and then I pay an accountant. Like so that that's kind yeah. of that's kind of the idea. And I feel so I, I'm not a I'm not a fan of work on all your weaknesses because I think no like double down on your strengths. If you can complement your weaknesses, build a good team mm-hmm. and then let's go. I love that. Well, uh, rounding out this episode, I know you have a hard stop. Uh, there's, we've talked a lot about building teams. And so I'd feel remiss if I didn't dig into that a little bit with some of your expertise or your advice for the audience. How do you build a great team? What are, what are those things to look for and what are those steps to take to put the right people around you to complement your strengths and do more together than apart? Yeah, I had, I had a good conversation about this recently. And I believe it is really dependent on the stage you're in. Hmm. So, and I'm, I'm really honest, you know, I think if you, if you start, if you build a company, so we're building a startup now and it's about sales yeah. and you're passionate, but you're, you can't do sales. Like in an early stage, I have no time to train you how to do all of that. So I love, I love when people are passionate, like I really love it and I really love to train people. So I'm, you know, like education is at my heart. So I, I mentor students, like, you know, mm-hmm. I, I kind of, I'm kind of writing stuff to help people. We're working with universities. So I really want to make sure that people get most knowledge and we can build up the next generation. Yeah. But if, if I need you to do a certain job right now, because we're, you know, on pressure, like Mark Riccio said it, you know, where it's like, as an entrepreneur, you have an hour, how do you spend it? You have a dollar, where do you spend it? Mm-hmm. Right? So mm. if I need to, if I need to train you initially, I might miss the train on what I really have to do. So I would initially, I would hire people who know what they're doing. Like get a team, get a team of experts. They understand what they have to do. They can run, you know, you don't have to really like dig deep. If you, if you then need to then kind of scaling it, or if you have a good foundation that's, you know, solid to whatever that means to you. Yeah. Like then I'm a big fan of hiring people who are passionate and, you know, who know, like who know what they want to do and then let them run with it. So I can tell you that when we, when we early on hired for TEO, like what, what we did is, and I think it was great actually, we, we put into the. So when people applied, like we asked them to present us with a project that they would run and run in TEO. It's like, okay, so if I hire you, like, what would you want to do? Right. And then, then we had them spell out like, here's what I want to do. And A, we could tell, we could tell if people knew what we were doing, right? Sure. Because if, if they said something that not even, it's not even in our business or near to us, like we knew they're, you know, it's just whatever Having application. Having done your homework. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then if you could figure out, okay, this person did the homework as a person who has a really good idea the execution or like the rough description makes no sense, but yeah. you can tweak that. But you know that, you know, that they had, they had a good, that, you know, they kind of saw a gap or they kind of felt like, Hey, this would be complementary to your business. And if we believe that made sense, like we felt like, okay, we hired the person and let the person do it. Right? right. And that's, that's how we kind of, um, I mean, we didn't do, we didn't, we did only for specific roles, but I like that because it's almost like a case study mm-hmm. where, where you really had people like, because if you can pitch me your project that you really want to do, and it works for my company and I hire you, we're both are going to be happy, right? <laughs> right? Because you, you get, you get to do what you wanted to do. And I get like the upside of what you're doing. And I get someone who's motivated because you can do what you want to do and you get paid for it. So that's, yeah. you know, that's kind of, that's kind of my, my advice for like a later stage. And then I think it's, I honestly believe it's on us to educate more people and, you know, help train the next generation and mentor them and coach them and, you know, get them up and running. It's just, if you're, if you're starting like a company, I don't think you'll have time for this. And it's the mm-hmm. same with, um, so I can give you an example of all these like bachelor thesis, you know, that people are writing. Like I got so many requests that at some point I just have to say, I can't do it anymore Sure. because it's, it's almost interviews. So what I do now is like, I, I have them send me the questions mm-hmm. and you know, I do, I, 
it's not copy and paste, but I do have like some of the answers figured out already because the questions are repetitive, hmm. right? Right. So I wish some people would go back to other podcasts, you know, I did and just listen in because there's some of the answers in there already. Yeah. But then I, I'll try to I'll try to scale it. It's like okay, give me your Q and A, like send me your top questions. I'm gonna answer them, and you almost create this Q and A, where then other people who might have the same questions can learn from. Um, so that's a very time that's a very time efficient way of doing it. But I believe that it is on us to train people to get better. You're so, building. You're you're so German. You're building a system even around <laughs> question and answers. Yes, it's impressive. I'm. I have a system. I pretty much have a system for <laughs> probably everything, and even for things I don't need to have a system for. Right. Well, hey, so it sounds it's, like it's, it's well not always efficient. <laughs> Curse and a blessing, I'm sure, like most things. Yes. Well, hey, we're we're right here at the end. Um, wh- where can people follow you? Where can people, um, you know, uh, get to know you or where wherever you want to send them? Boring, boring business answer. Like I'm most active <laughs> actually on LinkedIn. Like that's where Same. I'm really active. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like, I mean, I read Twitter, so I, I I'm not. I kind of took a step back from social media in a way of like super active posting all the time. Mm. So I do it on LinkedIn if I really want to get a message out or if I have a question. Like I do a lot of, hey, here's what I saw. Here's how I think about it. How do you feel about it? Sure. Right. So that's what I do. Um, yeah, probably like Twitter or LinkedIn. Twitter or LinkedIn. And what are the um, what are the handles there? Obviously, look su- up Christopher su- Hanna. Super German. Yeah. Christopher Hanna on LinkedIn. And if you look for Chris Hanna on um, on Twitter, you'll find me. But the handle is Herr Hanna. Okay. So my last name and like the German hair. Perfect. H-E-R-R. And then, you know, you're going to find me there. Fantastic. Well, I appreciate you joining me today. Um, I learned a lot. I feel like the audience definitely learned a lot here. Um, boy, you've done so much. It's, it's just an honor to have you and just appreciate you joining me today on the DLC Drop podcast. No, I really enjoyed this because it was a different conversation. Like it's very different topics. So thank you very much. Perfect. My pleasure. We'll talk with you soon. Thank you for listening to the DLC Drop podcast. This podcast is part of the Esports Futuri Podcast Network and produced by Innovation Media Enterprises. Make sure you subscribe on your favorite podcast channel and leave us a review.